All right. Hey, we're live. Cool. Hey, Mark. Hey, Bet. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Bring, brings to you in New Jersey. I know New Jersey, the Garden State. Right. Um, I have I have to say, on one hand, it's cold. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. Like in the eighties, <laughs> like low eighties. Well, so you can't be that cold. You're wearing a tank top. Come on, and like well, shades, but you're under a you're under a, a roof wearing shades. It's well, just too cool. Well, Future's too bright for you right now. Exactly, because I can't see otherwise. I'm like, what? <laughs> can't see my screen. Um, but I'm very happy to not be sweating in South Florida right now. So, not gonna lie. <laughs> I was just there. It's hot. Yeah, it's hot. The day we drove up, it was like 95, 98 degrees or something, and I was like, get me out of Dodge. Drove. So, yeah. Oh, we drove from Florida. Yeah. Been there, done that. Never do that again. Just like you know. Oh. Every Other year. Things. <laughs> Hold that thought till the end. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have an interesting discussion. I've been on my little crypto streak. I don't know who's coming up next uh, next week, but we had um, my awesome client Corey Cottrell last week from the Uplift DAO. Talked about DAOs and NFTs, and probably blew a bunch of people's brains out with a lot of that information overload. But we're gonna continue that whole process of information overload and uh and we're going to talk about how TradFi is merging with DeFi. so should we should we hop in get get it going hop away this your show Let's do it all right <laughs> hey everybody i'm beth hockberger cpa cgma and today i have mark Henley from cogent bank and mark i'm gonna <clears throat> let you introduce yourself but we got connected because this bank is doing really cool stuff in the crypto space, right? Which is almost like a contradiction, right? A bank mm -hmm. in in crypto space. So tell us a little about you, a little bit sure. about the bank, what y'all are doing over there. Yeah. So my yeah, uh, thanks, Beth. My name is Mark. Um, I run the blockchain enabled company or the BEC division within Cogent Bank. I focus all of my time on Web3, uh, blockchain protocol development, anything to do with decentralized technology, decentralized ledgers, really working with clients to bring, you know, this, the, the TradFi, the traditional finance world to the Web3 community. And I think that's, you know, really important. And hopefully we'll kind of digest that a little bit today. Cogent Bank's only been around for about four years. Uh, we started the oh, bank. New, so, you know, I didn't realize that. On the block, which is why no one's really heard of us outside of our core markets, which is Florida. Um, we started the bank with 30 million in capital in 2018, and now we're about a billion four. And we've grown so rapidly wow. because we've been the bank that really embraces new technologies, emerging ideas, and sort of some, some riskier stuff that most banks won't do. Um, you know, we do cannabis banking, you know, full blown. We have all kinds of specialty divisions, public finance, aircraft finance. Um, wow. on, top, on top of a traditional FDIC insured regulated bank, um, that's five-star Bauer rated. So we see the block crypto ecosystem in really a couple of ways. Number one, we see it as being highly underserved. There's only really a handful of banks in the U.S. that will quote-unquote deal or are crypto friendly. And those <laughs> banks are typically much, much larger than we are um, and typically not near as responsive or as uh, nimble as we are. You know, we can typically work with and onboard a crypto blockchain project in a matter of days. And, you know, most of our wow. take a matter of months. Um, so, yeah, we've invested a lot in our infrastructure and our policy. We've invested in, you know, 
blockchain protocols and even crypto hedge funds um, at the bank holding company level. So, I mean, there is a lot that we're doing. I, mean, I, I could talk a lot about what we're doing, but I think, you know, for today, it's, maybe it's better just to focus on what the bank at a high level, you know, what I see, what we see as this bridge between, you know, TradFi and DeFi, which is, I think, going to be critical to, to the Web3 development long term. All right. So let's um, let's take one step back for the, the folks who are like, what the hell are they talking about? So TradFi, mm-hmm. but traditional finance, right? Exactly. Banks, institutions. So yeah. Big, the big money, right? The big old money, <laughs> the, the Banks of Americas and and all those, uh, you know, national chains, and you know, some of them might not might not be even that big, but you know, your typical bank is what you're thinking of. DeFi. All right, you want to explain what DeFi is? Sure. So DeFi is is short for decentralized finance. Think of decentralized finance as banking without a bank. If you look at you know what's going on in the news recently with all of the lending, you know, I'm sorry, a lot of the lending and borrowing and staking protocols and companies that have gotten into trouble. The majority of those fall under the DeFi umbrella. Um, it's essentially unregulated banking, um, and I think which sounds and, scary. Yeah, it, it sounds does. scary. I mean, so I mean, consider consider this. There's about five thousand banks in the U.S. with about twenty three trillion dollars in assets, and that's just the U.S. Twenty three trillion. Holy cow! Okay, <laughs> that's a lot of money. The entire <laughs> crypto market cap is about nine hundred and fifty billion. And the entire DeFi, what's called TVL, that's, that, that's short for total value locked. That means how much, how much, how much, how many, how, how much worth of assets are locked into these DeFi protocols is about 85 billion. So the US TradFi ecosystem is 27,000% larger what? than the entire global DeFi TVL. Now, Wow. Global DeFi TBL has gone down dramatically since what 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 was called DeFi summer, which was when DeFi grew and grew and grew and you had all these right. really speculative right. projects. But what we see is if DeFi Web3, Web4, now I'm hearing Web5. Um, what? Is build Wait a minute, web- I'm still on Web3. What, what is yeah, Web4 and Web5? Agreed, <laughs> but now I'm hearing Web5. And I, I never heard Web4. I guess we're going right from 3 right to 5. Um, but I think, you know, for DeFi Web3 to get scale, it needs it needs to be able to bridge itself for real world capability to what's going on yeah. in TradFi. And so we at the bank, what I do is we work to build those bridges with products, with service, with relationships that allow these Web3, NFT, DAOs, mm-hmm. digital native companies to engage in commerce in the real world. Uh, through a, through a bank that that gets and wants the business, and so that's where I think that is just a huge opportunity for both ecosystems to kind of come together. So, if you're a a, a Web three, Web four, or Web five company, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges that those folks are running into in the the TradFi world? Sure. Like I know you you brought up one of your specialties with the like the cannabis industry and. I've had clients not in that industry. That's one's a little too risky for me to personally get involved in, but I've had CBD clients and uh, related. And I know those folks, they have banking struggles where they, they lose credit card processors. They get booted out of their bank, closed accounts over and over and over again. So is that, is that some of the same stuff in the, the web three space? For sure. For sure. And what I would add to that is, Unlike, you know, unlike cannabis, you know, Web3 DAO NFT projects, their challenge is 
they have to exist in the real world, right? They have to pay their electric <laughs> bill. You can't pay your electric bill in ETH, right? You can't pay. Yeah, uh, not yet. You can't pay your developers in the native token of your DAO because it probably has right. no liquidity, right? So unless they're going to work right. for free, uh, you need some real world mechanism, right? Maybe you want to bring, you know, quote, legitimacy. Maybe you have a USDC pile and you want to, you know, get leverage on that, but you don't want to go to a DeFi protocol. So, we work with our DAOs, our Web3 clients, to understand, number one, how do we understand what the DAO really is and what the real you know, value proposition is? We find that some of these projects are solutions looking for a problem. You know, there's something like <laughs> 21,000 coins out there right now, yeah. oh, is which that what it's that up number to? gets bigger every day. Um, <laughs> you know, the majority of those probably have little to no utility except for someone's pet project. It could be some right, college right. kids experiment. Um, so I think ultimately where we want to get to a place is we want the DAO to be able to tap into capital, the banking system, USD, uh, and the infrastructure, and ultimately the kind of the KYC as well. The biggest challenge that I find talking to entrepreneurs, young people in the space is they have no appreciation for the regulation that's coming to Web3 and how they can be prepared for it. What's going to come to Web3 is what's already in the U.S. banking system, which is KYC, BSA, OFAC, AML. What, what, what does all that mean? You have to Ooh, know. Yeah, there's a lot of letters. Yeah. <laughs> all that means is you have to know who your counterparties are. So if you want to open up a wallet on Avalanche and have anyone send USDC to your, your uh, unhosted wallet to fund your DAO, you have to know where that money is coming from, or you have to do some level of diligence to find out where that's coming from. And so I spent a lot of time talking to these folks about KYC compliance because it's coming and they have to be prepared for it. Because if it's not, they will get shut down, in my opinion. Yeah. And that that is the um, the know your customer rules mm -hmm. that you're talking about from the banks, right? Like you can't just take bags of cash or whatever the crypto equivalent is of a bag of cash, which is it's like anonymous wallets and, and whatnot, not know... Exactly where where these funds are coming from um and you know why is that important well we've all heard the the story the horror stories right of using crypto for criminal activity and things like that so you don't you know i, I assume most people are not up to nefarious things <laughs> in in this world um and you don't want to find out that you've got some ill-gotten assets that have gotten invested into your project so i i I see both sides. I see the, you know, wanting to not have any rules and not have, have to know these things. But at the same time, you know, you want to get mainstream, right? You want the public to embrace this. People want to know that they're not getting involved in things that are going to get them in trouble. So, so there, there is some of that. And it's funny, um, you know, it's not exactly the same rules, but every time I talk to a client that's got a, a complicated crypto investing uh, history, that we're trying to unravel to file their taxes. I always have this conversation. It's like, okay, you made all this money because of the lack of regulation. That was great. But you know how you can't get any of these reports now that you need for your taxes. That's also because of the lack of regulation. So it's exactly. definitely, uh, it's, it's all short. You know, yeah. And I'm not suggesting that, you know, we we're going to usher in some era of, of huge regulation. My point is that for, for Web3 to really get scale, you know, for it to become what we all want it to be, which is this true decentralized version of the Internet where AWS and the large players don't control data and don't control the cash flow, 
you need institutional adoption and you won't ever get that until you have a framework uh, for large investors to feel comfortable that, that they won't get a rug pull, that they're not dealing with you know foreign entities and those things as they keep happening um, are gonna stifle adoption. So it is a fine balance between, you know, Bitcoin was essentially, you know, grown from the financial crisis and distrust with institutions. And, you know, I, the appeal of DeFi, which is, you know, bankless banking, it's, it's, it's a huge idea. It has great appeal. But if it's the Wild West forever, you know, I, I don't think that it just I don't see it scaling without, you know, some some guardrails and those guardrails will come in the form of some kind of regulation. Regulation. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll happen eventually. I mean, you're starting to see uh, I mean, I see it specifically through the IRS. Right. Like we see it on the tax side and, um, you know, they think that everybody on that's got a, a big a Bitcoin or some crypto coin is. A billionaire that's just tax dodging but uh, there you know there's there's a lot of work i think that needs to be done overall in the in the whole system to make it uh accessible for people and not just like you know the equivalent of a, a web3 rocket scientist <laughs> right that i did not know i had to google this someone told me the word esoteric and i was like huh i don't know what that word means so i googled it and it means a system that's only known to a few people. It's like an insider thing. And a lot of the yeah. web people, like they only talk my, I, I have two children. They're five and seven. I can explain to them how to use a tablet in about 10 seconds. A tablet is a pretty advanced piece of technology, right? It's yeah, apps, yeah. it's downloads, it's games. We have to stop with these 15 minute diatribes on what web three and DeFi are. If it takes 15 <laughs> minutes, the public, again, that scale is going to be tuned out. So I think yeah, again, yeah. regulation, which is going to simplify these protocols and make them more uniform to some degree. I think that's where we're going to find some real adoption long-term. And again, grow the scale that the, that we all want it to grow to. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, you know, it, I, I've spent a lot of time because I find this fascinating. Like um, my firm work a lot, works with a lot of tech companies. So this was kind of the natural progression. Um, and like the whole Miami area, uh, you talk to somebody who's in tech, nobody's doing web two anymore. Like mm -hmm. everything is web three, everything's crypto, everything's NFT. So it's just kind of like the next step. So I've spent a lot of time learning about all, probably things that most CPAs never would learn about. But yeah, you try to talk to somebody, like I go into networking things and I'm like, all you have to do is listen for someone to say the word crypto or the word NFT, and then just be like, bet. And <laughs> my way. Everyone's like, I don't know what anybody's talking about, but literally once they said the word crypto, I'm like, oh, you have to talk to Bet. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But this is what she tells me. So go talk to her. So you were hundred percent right. Like people just don't understand. They don't they don't get it. Um, you know, you talk about NFTs to people, they think it's digital art. Right. They're like, oh, I don't know, it's like yeah. a, a picture, right? Yeah, it and is. It's like, oh no. Some oh, kid no. <laughs> some kid took up a, a yellow line on a white paper and sold it for like 10 ETH on OpenSea. And that probably has happened. Um, but again, those are the kind of projects that we're, you know, where we want to work with our clients that are building utility, you know, play to earn, move to earn, anything in the gaming space. We we do see the, the utility in that. And even though we're in crypto ice age, not crypto winter, we're in crypto ice age. Um, you know, the building continues and like, you know, we're still super bullish on the long term. So, you know, anyone that uh, wants to ever reach out to me and talk about how to simplify educating people on Web3. Let's have that conversation. That'd be a cool one to have as a, as a larger group.
Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because um, they're the NFTs, because I didn't really understand it. I thought it was also like digital art. Like, I don't get it. I'm sure there's something more there. But if you really like, and you know, it's more than 15 minutes. If you really dive in to the utility, as you, as you mentioned with the NFTs, you know, the fact that, yeah, there's a representation that's artistic, but the fact that you can tie benefits to ownership and the, um, I like to think about the, um, the, I don't know if anyone's doing it, but I hear a lot of talk about it in the music space, right? Mm-hmm. You have your favorite band, you buy some NFT of theirs and they build into their smart contract. Like, okay, anyone who sells this, we're going to get a royalty like forever, right? In perpetuity. Well, that's cool because, you know, a lot of artists get screwed in the music industry. Or if you own one of our Wait, NFTs. you're saying like, that you never used uh, Napster back in the day? Yeah, right. Don't get me in trouble. Yeah. Don't get me in I trouble. Remember, did, you, did you get one of those letters? Do you remember when they were like, hey, like we're going to send a letter if you were like a huge Napster user? Did you ever get a letter on that? I was terrified. No, no. Uh, okay. oh, but oh, I, I will you. tell you that to this day, if Metallica comes on the radio, mm-hmm. I will turn it off because the fact that they sued anybody who downloaded their music, I'm like, y'all are living in the dark age. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. Don't bite the hand that feeds <laughs> Lars and crew. Totally agree. <laughs> everyone's gonna know how old i am like stop it mark uh (laughs) but no i i really think it's cool like these people who are being really on the forefront of exploring what you can do with nfts like i was saying you know if i had my band's one of their nfts of my favorite band and i got special access to i don't know like you know downloads of or streams or something of i don't don't know downloads is probably a little old-fashioned these days um but access to concerts or VIP mm-hmm. things. I love, I love a good VIP, anything at a concert. It's just so has so much potential and there's so much creativity. And that's what I don't think the common person understands that this technology enables. They just think like, Oh, look, pictures of a, of a panda or an ape or something. Right. No, it's so much more than that. And, Let me uh, give you a great, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a yeah. great TradFi to, 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 to Web3 NFT. People that don't work in banking don't understand the amount of documents that have to be filed with courts, <laughs> right? Deeds, titles, mortgages, loan documents, yes. surveys. There's going to come a day when rather than searching a public database for a marriage record or a deed, those are all going to be NFTs on a state controlled private permission blockchain as an NFT. Title fraud is a huge deal. The fact that you could steal someone's title is one of the most obvious use cases for NFTs that I've ever seen. We need to, yeah. we need yep. to and, like, and keep in mind where we are in Florida, there's something called, well, you know, doc stamps and intangibles, Right. All these yep. documents, the, the revenue stream. So when we start to convert UCC filings and all those, that's going to be a, a, a hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars that you're flowing into Web3. Once we get the, the, the institutions to move to all these documents, like our birth certificates, why don't I own my own birth certificate as an NFT? Why does it belong <laughs> to a hospital up in Connecticut? I want the rights to <laughs> right? I want the rights to my marriage certificate, my divorce decree, whatever it might be, my auto title. So I, I think you're right. The entertainment value, music, and you know, experiences, memberships. I mean, country clubs, yacht clubs. You know, hey, that that, that already exists. It does. Right? The, uh, you know, I, look, yacht club. Can, I mean, you can just buy a yacht now and park it in your Decentraland plot to your waterfront property uh, and put the glasses <laughs> on and go look at it. 
But I think <laughs> the, the use case for NFTs, you know, um, the hype on that has been too much. But the underlying use case, especially in TradFi for us, uh, is enormous. It's absolutely enormous. Yeah. And we're bullish on that, too. Yeah. Um, I actually I said on a, a podcast that I was on that I, I, I could solve a big chunk of the IRS's problems with fraud with NFTs. Right. Like if my social security number was an NFT, there would never be fraud again with the IRS. Uh-huh. You would know who I am. You would know it was me filing. But you know, I, I don't you know, know how to build that. You know what else they would know if you had an NFT? They would know who's voting. Nah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go there. But I mean, look, we have to face in our lifetime voting via the blockchain is going to become a reality, right? It's the, it's the so? perfect elegant solution. I, I think no, you're it might trying be to fifty solve years a- away. It could be I think you're trying to solve away. a problem that people don't want to solve. There. <laughs> yeah, true. That's true. I guess it depends on what your perspective is. But if you want the, you know, but if it's an elegant solution, uh, that that might be the way to go. Man, well, we, you know, we've covered quite a bit of ground there. Yeah. Yeah. No, solve the world's problems with NFTs. Then. <laughs> yeah. At least the yacht problems that exist. <laughs> um, Mark, do you have any like? cool uh clients that are, or I don't know, i'm sure all your clients are super cool but like any cool projects that uh anybody's working on that you can talk about or yeah i mean we have a couple of really cool projects that we're doing right now so number one is we're trying to we're actively involved in the process of working with a couple of the very very large dao uh DeFi, uh pools to sell to the DAO a real-world bank loan, a real-world bank asset that they could use to collateralize their, their native stablecoin. So we're pretty far down the road on that. I, I think I'll have something pretty cool to announce on that in the next few weeks, but we're looking at that. Um, wow. We're looking at um, a lot of custody and digital asset um, you know, integration within our core platform, where you would be able to come to our website, essentially stake, um, you know, your coins. There'd be an automatic market maker smart contract there for, you know, leverage. We're, we're exploring that. Um, we're exploring, you know, and I'd say in, in great detail investments that we can make. We've actually done, again, some VC style investments. We've gotten into oh. some pre-seed and kind of seed rounds with crypto hedge funds and blockchain projects. So always looking for quality, um, you know, well capitalized, um, or at least strong, you know, strong cash uh, projects to to invest. And I think you know, at a high level, we're going to keep trying to push the envelope of what a what a traditional commercial bank can do with again with Web three um, on the lending side, on the borrowing side, on the deposit side. Um, we're we're going to keep finding ways to to push to push stuff along. So, yeah, I mean, the future's That's bright. Awesome. Right? Got, got, I, yeah. I should put my. Should put my shades on, but put your shades on too. <laughs> Mine are not gold trend. Not as cool as I am. All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much. Um, you know, I think this has been super interesting. I'm guessing most people don't realize that you can do crypto stuff with an actual bank that you, you guys like, even exist. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it's probably going to blow a lot of people's minds. Uh, so for my last question, right? You're you're a cool guy. I'm sure some cool stuff you have some cool hobbies or something that you can share with us something interesting about you personally yeah so i'll tell you a quick story about how i sort of learned about blockchain and digital assets 
So I, I wasn't always a banker. My career began in banking. I then left banking to do some other stuff. I wound up working at a nonprofit down in Haiti back in 2015, oh, wow. 2016. We did a project with Ray Dalio's foundation. Ray, uh, the Dalio Foundation, they wanted to figure out how to loan money to really, really poor people to get them out of poverty. So the Dalio Foundation gave us a good sum of money. And I'm down in Haiti trying to disperse loans to essential like microfinance borrowers. I'm in a jungle in Haiti and I have to give this farmer like 20,000 good, which is the Haitian currency. It's not a lot of money. And I got to figure out how to actually get him Haitian good, which is hard, like to go to a bank, to courier it. It's not, it's not a great idea. So I found this system called Moncash, which was like text cash over cell phone network. Now, this was seven years ago, really before Venmo, PayPal, Zelle were like ubiquitous as they are now. So as I realized that I could text money, I began to sort of look into there has to be a better way to move money. And that's when I found the infamous, famous Bitcoin white paper in 2015. So uh, not many people find, you know, take the take the orange pill in the middle of a Haitian jungle. But uh, that's that was me. That's that, that's my cool story. That's as cool as it gets that is cool. That is really cool. What an interesting way to kind of get into that world. And it's funny. Uh, I get the Bitcoin magazine and the first issue that I got, like, I, don't know, I think it was like a year ago, maybe a little less. They talked about utilizing crypto in countries with really unstable money mm-hmm. and how like us folks with our U.S. dollars don't appreciate mm-hmm. that it's hard to move currency and it's hard to get it to people in remote locations and you just don't think about it because like the most rural place in america is not that rural right and you're yeah. still on and the american dollar is a dollar and you know, and you know we could do a whole tangent on this but people in our country don't understand most of them don't understand how how monetary policy is done in the developing world by the central banks anything. of the developing yeah. world um, you know, I'm super bullish on Bitcoin as I don't think Bitcoin will ever nor should it become the global reserve currency of the world. But I do believe that developing countries who get their, their currency debased and manipulated by unstable monetary policy, Bitcoin is, a, is, a, is, is, is the answer to much of what I think ails them. So I'm excited yeah, yep. to see, you know, more experiments, um, you know, go on. So I guess we're all going to stay tuned to that one as well. Right. Yeah, I guess we are. All right, Mark. Thank you so much for taking the time to come talk with us. Thank you, Bet Bet World. (laughs) Bet World. (laughs) Uh, Cool. And, you know, I'm hoping you'll come back at some point. We'll have some uh, new cool things to talk about. My pleasure. Uh, That's it. All right. Enjoy. We'll see everybody next time. Take care. See you. Bye-bye. Stop live stream. Okay.